Hey, everybody, we've got a cold open here because uh, we are not done talking about those awesome fantasy maps from Belligerently Bookish uh, because we have a coupon code for you. If you go to belligerentlybookish.com and purchase a map, you can use the discount code BUCKKEEPRADIO to uh, get 10% off. So head on over there if you want to get 10% off a very cool fantasy map, Realm of the Elderly and Six Duchies maps back in stock. That's belligerentlybookish.com slash shop. Okay, bye. Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 79, The Rainwilds Chronicles, book four, Blood of Dragons, chapters 15 through 19. We've only got one episode left for this quadrilogy. And I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Melissa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm technically a new reader, but I'm done. <laughs> I'm Eli, and I haven't read any more than I read last time. <laughs> Even the section. <laughs> I yeah, can't I wait to hear your recap. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> it's gonna be great. I hope he's last and dead ass drunk. <laughs> I'm Ashley and I'm a new reader. And I'm Elena, also a new reader. All right, we've got no content warnings on the upcoming summaries, uh, but we do have some... Oh, wait, Ashley, you were going to make an announcement. Oh, yeah, so I was wanting to tell everybody, tonight is the full moon, and in June, the full moon is called a strawberry moon. Some other people call it a rose moon. I prefer strawberry moon. And it signifies a period where everything falls into place and finds its home. We were just dealing with a Mercury in retrograde situation, and we are finally out of that. It was a long one. It was a doozy. It was unpleasant. So hopefully between the strawberry moon and Mercury situation improving, everybody's doing well. Did you hear about the giant asteroid that's heading right for us? That will probably actually hit us by the time we're back in the next retrograde. So we're going to hold that to the... (laughs) (laughs) Everything's going to be fine. It's not actually going to hit us, but it is var large the oh. largest like it makes Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis are gonna go to space <laughs> and they're gonna blow that thing up <laughs> and we're all just gonna golf. eat our animal crackers at picnics on boobies and it'll be great <laughs> um, I'm for the asteroid yeah right don't be chickens come on down let's go Um, So we don't have any content warnings on the upcoming summaries, but we do have a little bit of mail. So the first bit of mail I'm going to read, um, we have two mails, two mails, two emails that I'm going to read. But one of them, (laughs) one of them is very spoilery. So we will have to uh, put that in the spoiler section. Uh, So yeah, sorry, guys. That's just the way it is. So this first email is from Susanna. I will be skipping a paragraph that is fairly spoilery, but it says, Greetings from outside the walls. Just wanted to say hi and let you know that I'm doing my best to raise your stats in Spotify. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, you, Susanna. 
My original plan was to rejoin you to the final trilogy, which I've never been able to reread by myself. But after a month or so, I miss you guys, my online hob friends, so much. I decided to reread the shenanigans of the horny teenagers and dragons and tune back into Buckkeep Radio. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I remembered so little of these books. It has been almost like the first time. And thanks to you, it's been a much more entertaining read than I thought it would be. Um, then I'm going to skip that paragraph, but you know what you said. Uh, and, and then I'm going to, uh, and then she says, uh, and Rachel, how I wish your ideas from the spoiler section of episode 76 to be true one day, if only take care. I, yeah, well, I can't this is my takeaway from spoiler section. <laughs> yeah. My takeaway from Susanna's email, she says that she cannot reread the last trilogy alone. And I am just girding my loins for some serious <laughs> trauma. Actually, I did cry for four hours on a plane reading the end of it, so that should tell you something. All right. Well, I was fine. <laughs> oh, please. Yeah, yeah, you were fine. There's some that for a goddamn Rachel. second. <laughs> we are doing chapters 15 through 19. Uh, who's up first? Jenny. I'm not. Re- I'm not summarizing. So I'm like, I'm sitting back. I'm relaxing. It's great. <laughs> get drunk. Get it. You are making your cursor go through my. Sorry, thing. Rachel. <laughs> Eli, get out of there. Haven't we talked about the etiquette? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> All right. Chapter fifteen is called Hostages. Oh, and Alyssa's here too. You trollop, get out of here. <laughs> we do call someone Sorry. a trollop in this chapter, so <laughs> well, really Alright. Chapter fifteen, hostages. We start off at the well and the silver fishing is not going well. Skelly wants them to lower her down so she can just hook the bucket on herself, but Leftrin isn't having it. It's too dangerous. Time to take five without actually accomplishing anything, though, because the dragons have returned. Hooray! And it's back to work at the spa. Thymara's not thrilled because, since Centaur doesn't play well with others, she knows she's not going to see Tats for a while, just when she's finally decided that maybe she likes him again. Tats is tending to Fenty and trying to get a full account of what happened out of her, but it seems like trying to ask a child about their day and they just want to tell you what they had for lunch rather than what they learned at school. He at least learns that Spit ate some people, and Tataglia is as good as dead. Tats knows that Malta that this will be hard to hear from Malta, but Fenty couldn't care less. When Mercor comes in, he just wants to know how they're getting on with that silver, but poor Sylvie has to disappoint him by saying they only have one little bottle of the stuff. Tats thought Malta and Rain might try and use it on Fron directly, but Case had accidentally gotten some on his skin and it made all his scales fall off around that spot, so they were likely dissuaded. In any case, Mercor decides that they have to wait for all the dragons to return before they can decide what to do with it. Uh, Down at the docks, Leftrin watches Rapskull strut around like a courting bird, corralling the hostages into a nice, tidy row, announcing their fates. Those that can be ransomed will, those that can't be ransomed will work for them across the village, and those who pissed off the dragons will be executed. And whoa, whoa, Teletor, slow down. This is not the traitor way, Leftrin tells him. And then everyone gets to a big argument about what they're going to do while the hostages look on, which doesn't seem like the best strategy, but it probably gives them some hope. <laughs> Meanwhile, the good part of the chapter, which is shocking because <laughs> it's Hest, but, uh, so, meanwhile, Hest loses any tiny shred of sympathy we may have had for him during his days as Dean Dargan's captive, as easily as tossing his rags overboard while he reclaims his stateroom and makes himself all fancy again. 
He's impressed by this Kelsinger place, and he's all ready to try and impress the elderlings until he realizes they're all a bunch of misfit teenagers, and then he has to reassess. He's looking around, and he's doubting that either Elise or Cedric would have survived this journey here. I mean, they're not nearly as adventurous as he is. Sure. Um, (laughs) He did so well. Uh, Then he spots Elise and once more proves the fact that he is... Once more proves in f- that he is in fact the worst, as he ridicules her scandalous attire and calls her a slut, a trollop, and a sailor's whore. Such a great guy. Uh, when he sees Leftrin put his arm around her and realizes that she's traded him in for a common riverman, ugh, he's totally dropping her and getting that divorce, but not before he gets his lawyers to take her for everything she's worth. Hess is just feeling so smug now as he's trying to count up the keepers and figure out what his share is going to be. He sees them all arguing and he tries to figure out who is really in charge here and who will decide his fate? As he runs his eyes over them, one catches his eye, and Hest can't say enough complimentary things about this hot bronze lizard man. In fact, he's super into him and he can't wait to run his hands over that smooth, scaled flesh and, oh my god, it's Cedric! <laughs> Hest just thinks that all his dreams have come true, all of Cedric's flaws are gone, and he's been transformed by magic into this exotic and magnificent muscle lizard man. Hest is already playing out the fantasies in his head, thinking that Cedric has finally become worthy of him again. He real- He's realized that Cedric has fulfilled his dream for both of them, and he's already picking out a mansion for them in Kelsinger and thinking, I don't have to go, to Bingta- go back to Bingtown at all. He's so excited to just throw off his hood dramatically and call out Cedric's name and savor the amazement and joy he will kindle in Cedric's eyes at the reveal. He's already planning color schemes and halfway through picking out the china and reveling in the fact that all the other prisoners are going to be so jealous that he's that he alone is greeted by the hot bronze lizard man. When, wait, what's this? Who's this hunter and why is Cedric so happy to see him? <gasps> Hest straws on the ground, his whole body numb as he realized that Cedric had the audacity to replace him with a handsome savage. How dare he? <laughs> the jealousy is raging through him. He's getting out the burn book, donning his black hoodie. He will get his revenge. Uh, Birdmail, on a happier note, comes to us from Rael, a very happy man, he says, announcing to his aunt and uncle that his engagement to, uh, he's engaged to Carlin, the three ships girl. So Aww. that's just a nice little footnote to this insanity. <laughs> um, does anybody else think of the dragon spa like a ghibli like yes for sure yeah it's very like like, spirited away situation yeah yeah yeah. it lights up and like there and there's lots of like happy music and all the dragons are going in and out of the spa (laughs) (laughs) i pictured it as extremely unclean derelict (laughs) They hadn't fully, like, mopped it up yet, but they're still using it. I mean, like, that's just a barn. Like, a stable. Yeah, like a barn. (laughs) Oh, see, I feel like the lights turn on and it's like a carnival inside. Like, it's just all, like, cute I think it smells like glowy and lovely and cars. It smells like cars. (laughs) Just gasoline. It smells like eucalyptus and lavender. It smells like snakes. Let's be real. You fuel up your dragon. Snakes and sand. I'm glad that Cedric has gotten so hot that he can now reject Yes, us. He's I got just, a revenge body and I'm here for it. Yep. I said this in the spoiler section like, <laughs> a while ago, but I just, I was, like, when I initially knew that Hest was going there, I was, like, really looking forward to him, like, getting there and thinking that, like, oh, he's all scaly now, I don't want him. And 
And yeah. Then, and then Carson coming up and being like, oh, but he has someone and he doesn't need me to, like, save him from this. But the fact that he thought he was, like, this really, like, amazingly hot person and then he realized that he couldn't have him was even better. <laughs> it's hot elderly it. summer. <laughs> 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 And just and, him planning and, out and we know that thing. Carson is now hot too because he called him a handsome savage. That's true. <laughs> was he was he wearing his meat suit? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he must have been. Otherwise, why would he have said savage? <laughs> right. Right. As opposed to an, another elderling. Right. He's totally wearing the meat suit. <laughs> <laughs> he was out hunting. I guess it's appropriate hunting wear. fucking ass <laughs> he's the worst I love that as soon as he you know like the first thing he did was like go and pull out new clothes and get fussy in <laughs> yeah. his little cabin and put himself on like a higher level than everybody else oh yeah That's I also I forgot to mention the fact that when they're docking he like stays in his room as long as possible so he doesn't have to do any of the work <laughs> yeah <laughs> which I respected that I respect on no. a personal level but also it makes him a jerk <laughs> Oh, but Teletor going in and telling everyone, we're going to execute you now. (laughs) Yeah, like, yo, man, you got to talk that over with everybody. We don't actually don't have a government here yet, so. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, but this is what we've always done. And they're like, that's not you. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, he's losing it. Uh, Well. So also, cool. for our Roteland theme park, we will have an arcade, and inside of this arcade, there will be a game where there's a well, and you have a hook, <laughs> and you have to catch something, <laughs> and you just have to try forever to try to hook it. Can you hook the bucket? It's the only game in the arcade. <laughs> Get some kind of silver stuffed animal. And if you touch it, it burns your hand off. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, as we learn later, if they had let Skelly do that, that would not have gone well. No. In the well. (laughs) Well, well, well. (laughs) (laughs) I love that all of the Hob villains are... You know, sometimes they can be terrifying, but they're also extremely flawed and can be very pathetic at times and this is when we get to see Hest being pathetic and it's just Mm -hmm. like it's so it's just choice it's so good yeah do you think that I have no idea if this is true but do you think that Hob like takes probably cherry picks people she doesn't like in real life (laughs) and says I'm going to take this aspect of you and immortalize it in the world's dumbest villain <laughs> <laughs> the most incompetent well, I mean, based villain. on the i mean we when we saw her at new york comic-con she was talking about how she based the fool on somebody oh right like, one, of her bro- one of her son's friends yeah yeah but it was it was like a a person the fool is based on a person so i wouldn't surprise me if she's I mean, got it's... kyle's and kennett's and hest's in her life that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Regals. And Galen's. A lot of really crappy and men. Mollies. <laughs> and then there's uh, 
What's her face? Molly. <laughs> no, the pale woman is what I was going for, but <laughs> like, I think we've yes. all probably met a shitty person in our life. <laughs> no, no, we know it's that not she surprising likes Molly. to me. We know from our we know from that same panel that she expected everyone to love Molly just as much as she loves Molly. The pale woman is someone in her life who just makes very beige food all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's really into potatoes. <laughs> potatoes are great. Don't knock potatoes. I love potatoes. But... No. Sometimes you need and real cauliflower. Um. So we have. So this this chapter is actually called hostages, even though we don't spend too much time talking about the hostages. Um, what would you name this chapter? Hot bronze man. <laughs> That's right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Easy. <laughs> yep. Done. Or, or like, revenge. Or, you know, it's just like re- rejection. Revenge, revenge, revenge body. Yeah. Revenge body. <laughs> Actually, write a book. revenge body can be the name of the second bar that I open. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the first bar? Beach bodies. Perfect. <laughs> beach bodies. You're gonna get sued by beach body, Dead you know, bodies that used to wash up next to her work. <laughs> uh, there was this abandoned. There was this abandoned like lot, and you could see it from my office. My office was had a lot of windows, and you could just look out over the water, and there was always. You know, there were always bodies washing up there between February what? and June every year. It was just the way that the tides worked. And obviously that is why that, that lot was never developed because there's bodies there. And I said, I always said, I'll, I'll just purchase that land and open a really cool bar and call it Beach Bodies. <laughs> Oops, all that bodies. Is, that is a much better story than I was expecting. That's really good. Holy fuck. <laughs> Because I had this dock, and I always thought we could do like a half in, half out, where you could have like a roof deck, and then like like one of those like underwater situations. You could have like an actual like you know like river view, and then anytime yeah, and instead actually... of seeing fish because the, ever the water's so toxic, you just see dead bodies float by the glass. It'd be great. But I would, I mean, we do free shots if that happened. You know, like we would. Oh yeah, it's that. like body shots. Okay. Yeah, there'd body be a shots. bell. Yeah, you know. yeah. First person to spot a body and ring the bell gets a free bottle of Dom, you know? Like, keep it classy. Anyway, it's my idea. Don't take it. I'll find you. Trademark. It's, it's already trademarked. It's I got it on Google Alert. I will find you. And uh, But yeah, the secondary one, Revenge Body. That's good. Yeah. Well, we can't buy the trademark for that one because it was actually a TV show that Khloe Kardashian did where she helped people <laughs> who went through bad breakups get really hot bods. So we'll have to. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I think <laughs> it could be one, like, I need a bar for the murderers, and that's what it's going to be called. So Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's what I would name it. Uh, what else happened? Oh, poor Fron. Still waiting for his treatment. <laughs> I like the, like, random, like, deaf joke. <laughs> Not, a, not the greatest joke, but you, Fenty being like, "Oh, is she deaf now?" Because, uh, 
Oh, oh, oh. What's his face? Tats was like, this would be hard for her to hear. And Fenty was like, oh, is she? (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, that's not what I meant. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was like super random. Dragon humor. Yeah. I was like, okay. Stupid Stupid dragon. (laughs) Yeah, poor. I think, I mean, I think that they're, they're, they're actually treating the silver in a way that I did not expect them to. Like, they're being a lot more mature and careful. They're not I going felt, into, like, a fucking frenzy about yeah, it. Yeah. I felt like everyone was going to get, like, a little drop and everyone was going to, like, you know, have a put moment of eye or something. Intelligence. Yeah. Right. And, like, all the dragons would be fighting and. Mm hmm. Greedy and all and the stuff. I guess it's just not enough silver to do any to do much with, so it's not so tempting. So if it was like a bucket of silver, I mean, they'd all be fighting. Homeslice was fucking licking chains trying to get some of that <laughs> shit. So I don't well, know. Well, you know, they didn't tell Spit that news. He probably would have had a different. He would have been like, "Give it to me now." Yeah. <laughs> and then Merkur would have been like, "No." That poor that who is it that has the, that got a drop of it? Like he'd be eating that hand. He'd be Spit. like, "Well, yes, like, can we have it? Yeah, case. Let me have your hand. I need it. It's oh, got yeah. That's mine now." It's got silver. Not <laughs> only did all of their, not only did it become like gray, like a like a dolphin body, um, but they put their whole her least felt- favorite animal. Remember that was that was a sick burn that just happened, like a dolphin body. But also, their whole arm felt weird. So. And did you dip your long. shoulder in silver, Rachel? I, I thought about it. Can you really? <laughs> This whole book has been fairly triggering for me in my arm, I have to say. Between Tintaglia's, like, arrow wound and the... I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. No, silver doesn't exist. What's wrong with me? Now, how come the fool can dip his fingers in silver? Fool ain't human. Fool ain't human. True. True that. But Verity dipped his entire arms in silver. It didn't last didn't long last after, that, after that, though. True, but <laughs> could he have? Wow, Jinx. I want a Coke. Eli, do you want to share with the class? <laughs> <laughs> He'd like a soda pop. <laughs> I said Jinx. We said the same thing. Oh, we didn't hear you because you said it at the same time. Yeah, you're whispering. You need to yell. <laughs> Let's move the mic closer, <laughs> There we go. Share with the class. <laughs> Share a Coke with me. I said the same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what else happened? Oh, uh, the three ships girl that I don't remember at all. But there's another three ships marriage. And is this the one where he says, it's just like breeding birds? Yes. It's romantic. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. That's what I want to be compared to. A juicy bird. <laughs> A perfect morning dove. <laughs> I mean, it's all he knows. Yeah, and you know, like who Burge doesn't look at... compares Molly to a horse, you know? That's true. 
the most perfect and, thing on earth. And let's be honest, like who doesn't look at your at, at somebody and think, "Would you give me cute babies?" Yes or no. <laughs> you oh. know, we never hear about three ships boys. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. Well, that's because that's because there's a social construct that you know women marry up <laughs> and uh, not down. So you know, like a three ships girl can marry up into like you know being town. Uh, and it's okay. That's just like trading on your, you know, good personality or or good looks or good looks or whatever. But you or know, the you fact don't... that you have new uh, genes to add to the pool, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, you don't you don't want to to be like a you know you don't want to be marrying down, which is what happened is happening with Elise, who apparently is marrying down or whatever down because. What she is like? He's from a good family because he's related to she's, the Coopers. She's marrying a one ships boy, and he's captaining. He's a captain <laughs> of a live ship, isn't that like? It's the ugliest yeah. live ship he's ever seen. Okay? But it's still a fucking captain of a live <laughs> right? ship. That's got to be yeah, actually well, better than him. Yeah, I don't think Hest actually knows who Leftrin is. Because um, I, I mean, I think like in terms of family, they would be on equal footing because Leftrin's like from an old established. Rainwilds versus like being town trader, but it's the same difference. You know, he's from an established family. He owns the live ship. That's his legacy. He's like the same status as, um, well, how he probably in, in that way, like he might have more status, um, than the Finbox. I don't think they have a live ship. All of the trade up the Rainwild yeah. River like, to Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The difference the is, is that. Test? <laughs> Right, exactly. The, the difference is that Leftrin actually works because he works on his ship, and Hest is like party boy. No, like I'm I'm gonna go pretend to make the contracts and like pay other people to He's do. He's just a socialite from a wealthy family. Yeah. Like, yeah, they don't even have a ship. They're shipless. Yeah, exactly. But like they don't shipless have a ship. No ships, boys. Yeah, <laughs> no ships, boy. Exactly. No ships, boy. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> You know what? Elise is moving up. I agree. In so many ways. I mean, aside from the personal advantages, like the material, like, status, she's not moving down to to get with Leftrin. Mm All right. Are we ready to go with Chapter 16? We are ready. Take us away. Okay. I'm just going to apologize that I I didn't have it in me to be funny uh, in my summary. So it's very, like, you know, to the point. But that's where informative I was informative for once. Our leader or our leaders? No, our our, our listeners. <laughs> I was like listener reader. Our, our yeah, you'll actually know what happened in this chapter if you well, didn't read you. it. Yes. <laughs> our Hobbin robs exactly. All right. So, we open with Elisa's point of view, looking at the prisoners and listening to everybody argue about what to do with them. Ever the sensible one, she's wondering why this has to be discussed outside like savages, rather than inside, somewhere comfortable and warm. She's still in withdrawal from Memory Stone. It's the latest street name. And basically the only thing holding her to the here and now and her own identity is Leftrin. As if Carson reads her mind, he suggests taking the prisoners to the baths. Let the elderlings' morals and character be reflected in their treatment of their prisoners, not what the prisoners' actions and identities might deserve. Just as she's on the edge of an epiphany about how she probably had been looking in the wrong part of society for the answers to practical problems, some jackass shouts her name. Who would possibly be calling for her when Leftrin is already at her side? (laughs) Who indeed, but one of the prisoners. 
her very own worst nightmare come to life. The confrontation she had avoided by spending months not getting laid has come to her anyway. <laughs> uh, Lefter and the ever-ready volunteers to kill Hest. No, no, let's not have a scene, she says. Hest keeps walking toward her. Uh, bless him, Rain steps into his path. Who the fuck are you? Get back in line! But Hest spews his tale of having traveled all this away and so far and endured such hardship to get to his wife. And Elise decides to have a scene anyway. No, you are not my husband. You lied to me, cheated on me, broke our contract a hundred times over. It is void. I owe you nothing. Get back in line. Hess tries to subtly threaten her family, and then Cedric spills his tea to the watching audience. I was your lover, Hest Finbach. I helped you deceive her, and I did not speak up when you mocked her. And if need be, I will stand before all of Trahog and all of Bingtown and attest to that. <laughs> Good job, Cedric. He's really grown. He has. So Cedric then publicly apologizes to Elise. Uh, ironically, there is literal clapping from the business next door as I type that. Uh, Carson kisses him with pride and approval. Elise walks off on Leftron's arm and Hest gets back in line like a dope. Next, we see Rain and Malta giving sad baby boy a bath in the dragon spa. He seems more comfortable than normal in the warm water. So they can talk about the meeting the keepers are having. They're going to let the slaves be free and decide whether to stay there or go back down river with Leftron on his next run. The traitors are going to be taken uh, back to admit their treachery. Um, and then the tra that was traitors with a capital T, like the uh, <laughs> Trahog Traders Council. VIP and then the traders. traders from Bingtown and Jamalia, who were there innocently, are striking trade deals in exchange for the seizure of the impervious boats. They're not talking about... Oh, there, yeah, there was a whole thing where, like, he's, they're thinking about how Tintaglia is dead and not talking about it. Uh, but Rain is kind of sad, not just because of what it means for Fraun, but he's actually going to miss the conceited, self-aggrandizing old bird. <laughs> Suddenly, Malta can feel Tintaglia. She's got the tingles of awareness. <laughs> oh, hey, did we just, <laughs> just solve the mystery of that name? <laughs> then we flip to Tintaglia. I can't even read about like seeing tingles now. Fuck. Tingle okay, taggles. tingle, ting, tingle taglia, <laughs> and callow, barely crawling through the sky toward Kelsingra. He's feeding her praise and encouragement, and she's remembering an ancestor who got struck by lightning and needed a full year to recover. And then callow is trumpeting, and other dragons are calling and calling, calling her on. Callow tells her that he will go hunt, so she has food as soon as she's had a bath. Damn, talk about a male who knows how to treat a queen. And then she sees Malta standing there waiting for her and sort of passes out in relief as she crashes. Um, then we get Leftron's point of view. Carson makes an assessment of her injury and basically says, if I were a hunter, I would not have killed her. That shit is foul. Uh, Malta feeds... Tintaglia the rest of the silver, but it doesn't have any obvious effect. Malta and Rain ask everyone to leave them alone with their dragon and their child. So they can just both die and be sad, I guess. Leftrin uh, goes back to the ship where Elise is waiting for him. Happier than ever with his life choices, and definitely feeling fancy after watching her laugh in Hest's face. He starts walking faster. <laughs> uh, Birdmail, Eric the... Eric to the master of the Birdkeepers Guild in Bingtown. 
Update on two toes. He is in recovery. If he can't fly again, he can be a stud bird. Such a good boy. Best ever I raised. Best I ever raised. And I am so happy he is home. Uh, Eric and Detozzi are also super happy to take that sealed message in the letter to the Trahog Birdmasters. Pack that buck on up the line to the managers. Whew, I'm just here for the birds, man. I hate politics and mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> Two toes only has like one toe now or if I become if I become a rapper, I will be named Two Toes and my logo will be this bird, but with a gold chain around his neck. Yes. Can I yes. Jenny, can you draw you? this? I should hundred percent draw that, Jenny. That'll be our tattoo when this is all over. Two toes. Two toes. We got Make two chains, chain we got two toes. Yeah, yeah. It's a cha- it's a chain of dragons, you know. It's just the medallion. It'll be like a gold chain with a medallion that's a diamond encrusted dragon. No, a flame jewel. It's like popping mm. off. A flame jewel as the eye. What about a weird wizardwood medallion? A flame jewel as the bird eye. Now that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, a little talking wizardwood. Well, maybe he should have like weird incongruous legs. Oh, oh that, like when they when you do a video and like you have a guest rapper on, so you know, like that'll be like the wizard would face. What could be the guest rapper? <laughs> like featuring? Yes. <laughs> Two toes featuring tiny wizard yeah. with charm. Yes, featuring wi- wi- Wizzy Wood. Oh, it's just a it's just a wizzy photo of Wizzy Wood. <laughs> Two toes featuring Wizzy Wood. <laughs> oh, dead. oh my god. The only music we play at Rotland. Yep. <laughs> it'll, it'll be like, well, instead of having like a, a, show, a standing show at Vegas, you know, it'll you have the standing show at Rotland. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to have an outdoor amphitheater. <laughs> oh, like there are Blue Band Group. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We can do like all these projections and try to like recreate what it's like to be in like a in a Skillstone city where there's like all of these mm. like cool vignettes happening around you. Mm-hmm. This park is the goddamn best. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> It's the first theme park truly designed for adults. <laughs> Who needs a, a TV show adaptation? We just need a theme park adaptation. Yeah, let's just skip yeah. all yeah. of it and go straight to the theme park. That's what the people if want. If we get our map drawn, we could take that to her and be like, look, let's get this shit bankrolled. It's your payday. Like, you want to be the next Dolly? Let's do this. This is how, how did you get your restraining orders? Wow. <laughs> How indeed. If we have another panel, be like, have you ever considered Roteland? (laughs) She'll be like, I don't know what that is. And somebody in that audience will have listened to Bucky Radio and they'll be like, yes, for sure. (laughs) Just keep asking her about it. Horrible. So everything else that happened in this chapter, we should probably talk about that. Yeah, right. let's, <laughs> let's do that. All right. So Elise finally confronts Hest. It was a yes. big moment. 
She needed mm-hmm. that. She needed that so badly. Big fan. Yeah. yeah. A plus depiction of like a nervous system reaction because that whole like, you know, violent shaking that is just because you're so it's not even like an emotional upset. It's like it's a physical, like visceral body upset. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that was that was really well done. It's not something that I've seen captured a lot in um in in fiction. Yeah. She she was definitely like trying to not only control herself, but like, you know, control the situation. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of, like, anticipation on the part of the reader here. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is the part, for me, like, when I'm watching a TV show with a lot of drama going on, and I have to, like, pause it and walk walk <laughs> away for a minute before I can continue. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, shit, it's gonna go down. <laughs> He's talking about Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pause it, walk away. Oh. I can't handle this much drama in when my body. When the Toms get into fights, it's awful. <laughs> it's heart wrenching. Mm-hmm. Is Vanderpump Rules the one about football? No, ma'am. It's about young things that work in a restaurant that's owned by a Real Housewife, former Real Housewife of Beverly Hills. They're all food and bev. They're all hot fucking mess. Oh yeah. Hot messes. That's it. That's the hot, whole show. Hot, hot messes. They all yeah. fuck each other. They all work in the same place. It's they're it's a just mess. yeah. That doesn't sound very hygienic. Occasionally, <laughs> like rich people walk into it is the scene. Not. Yeah, it's amazing. Pretty much all of them got fired for being racist. So you know. they did. <laughs> it's real class acts. <laughs> I mean, that's just um, in yeah. the media, okay? I can't protect you from the media. Right. Yeah, it's not in the show. Um, there's a dog on the brink of death the, for at least four seasons. It's really amazing to watch. <laughs> the, t- the tingle taglia of the uh, the group. <laughs> yeah, if, <laughs> if tingle taglia trembled full time and was still, yes. We love alliteration. She's the rock. She's what, you know, she's the reason everyone is there together. You know, they can't lose their matriarch. Dwayne the mm-hmm. Tintaglia Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's probably got the eye, the eyebrow thing. <laughs> and a mediocre tequila brand, you know. That's so funny. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, uh, what I was actually very proud of is not just Elise, but Leftrin, who... Did not completely wild out and become, you know. Yeah, the he gave her boyfriend. He gave her yep. space to own yeah. her moment and do her thing, which just you know we knew he was a good guy, and this just goes back to it. Yeah, he's very you know he's confident. He, he he's not he's not so he's not so insecure that he thinks that nothing will go right if he's not controlling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't like oh, run up there and start thumping his chest and yelling yeah. it. Yeah, it was it was good. And Revenge Body stepped up and did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah, a good moment. Fucking you the whole time, Hesty. <laughs> I'll tell everybody. Yep. 
I'll tell him about that mark on the left side of your dick. Like, you know, you know he has, like... Uh-huh. Like, I can tell you exactly what's going on. Oh, God. P- places even a valet shouldn't have gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's funny because it also... I guess it is symbolic of them cutting themselves off from being town by saying, like, I don't give a shit if I'm you know, uh, mm-hmm. still married to you and involved with another man. I don't give a shit if I admit that I'm gay in a, in a, you know, a society where that's not okay. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. And it, it's not just them cutting themselves off from that culture and that, you know, those ties. It's Calsingra. So they've, they've created their own society now where yeah. they can live as they are. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. really important too, not just for them, but for the way that culture may flow in the future in this mm-hmm. area. I have never been in this situation before, but what it reminded me of was uh, when somebody hates their job and then they start looking for other jobs and they finally get another job and then they go and quit. And they're just like, you know, they don't care. You... <laughs> they don't care anymore. They've got, they got the security. This is sometimes uh, you don't care and are still at the job with no future prospects. <laughs> this is Cedric giving his like really uh, honest and ragey exit interview. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the exit interview when you want don't want to be a Big Town trader anymore? And you're like, well, you, you know, you're racist, you're homophobic, you're useless, your boats don't work, <laughs> you don't have cool dragons. Get into wars with Charles Sid. It's just, it's very messy here. And I was happy for Carson, too, because he got some affirmation of, like, okay, Cedric just said, like, I'm in this. I'm not going anywhere. I'm sticking around. This is what I want. I choose you, Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm proud that everyone allowed Malta to feed Tintaglia the silver without it being an argument. Because that was going to be Yeah, I was kind of like, how's that going to go down? Easy. Well, because I was like, ah, I don't want to sit here and argue about this. Like, just do it. Don't be, don't steal it in the middle of the night. Like, just do it. Like, I don't know what it took for them to go to war against other dragons. But, like, there is, like, this uh, very much a, there's a boundary there. Like, you don't, you don't kill other dragons. You don't. You know, you don't you don't fuck with. There's like, it's a, like there's a certain level of respect <laughs> that they all have for each other, even if they you know think that Spit is an idiot and well, I think you know, they're kind everyone of just kind of tolerates him. But there's still like family. a level of respect. Well, because there's only like ten of them, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're the only ones left, it kind of doesn't matter if some of you are you know are shitty versions. Of the, you know, <laughs> you're the last one, so gotta put up with each other. Yeah. They're just kind of a dysfunctional family at this point. They are. It's like the opposite of Fast and the Furious, but they could, <laughs> like, they could really, like, okay. look deep inside okay. themselves and become, like, really cool. <laughs> really cool found family where everyone has a cool superpower and then they just, like, team up and it becomes, like, the greatest action movie franchise that ever existed. Maybe. Uh... I'm also happy that Two Toes is in recovery. It's the greatest news of all time. <laughs> it, it is. 
his that that little bird you know he really cracked that case he deserves to live he does he's a good boy he's the best boy <laughs> and if he can't fly and work anymore let him just be a stud a little stud uh, he <laughs> better have like a little a little bird throne <laughs> <laughs> like a harem of ladies that's just dropping grapes, you know. <laughs> or other boys, a harem. So I'm of guessing people. he had that whatever that that like infestation was when they found him. Yeah, he had lice. He had the red lice, and he was stuck. Ooh, that was too much of a pour, Rachel. <laughs> it sounded like you <laughs> emptied a whole gallon. <laughs> Damn. They call her two shots, <laughs> Joey's like, Where's that gin I bought this morning? You're like, What? I don't know what you're talking about. What gin? <laughs> yeah. what gin? You, you left it on the subway. Yeah. It's not here anymore. All right, take us to chapter 17. We have to advance. Oh, well. Chapter 17 is called The Well. I didn't even plan that. It was just, you know, it just happened. So the prisoners are given food and water, and it's now time for Bedley. Samara and Tats take on their own prisoner, their friend formerly known as Rapscal, who is still having one of his mental breaks. They listen to Teletor's recap of the last couple of days and to his desire to make traitorous dragon-hearting humans pay. And slowly he turns a bit more Rapscallion, but Samara and Tats fail the slumber party slash prison guard game, and they fall asleep. So Rapscal wakes Samara up in the middle of the night, so they can go for a walk alone through the city. And Thamara shows incredibly poor judgment and says, okay, crazy, who wants me to also become crazy? Let's go for a midnight stroll. <laughs> and so Rapskull tells us it smells like spring, and it's one of the 500 times that we're told so in this section. And in case you did not know, <laughs> spring is coming. Spring is coming, everybody. And it's wearing a very strong perfume by Chanel called Spring, which smells like essence of spring with a light floral spring. <laughs> <laughs> Rapskull continues to yammer on and Thamara is thinking of silver but she's not going to bring up bring up such a jazzy topic right now and she decides to just let Rapsy talk himself till he's tuckered out and they can go back home and go to bed <laughs> and so she thinks they're headed to Teletor and, Teletor and Amarinda's sex shack to watch some light porn but instead Teletor <laughs> takes her to a little shop where a silver worker used to turn basic bitch shit into magic elderling shit and Teletor sneaks up to slit her throat, but JK, he's just putting a glowing moon-shaped necklace on her. And she's starting to get the heebie-jeebies as a few memories start invading her brain space, and she asks to go outside. And Teletor says, you could, but it wouldn't help. You can't run away from it. I don't want to force you, but time is running out for all of us. Good thing they went on this lonely midnight stroll. <laughs> Thamara, Thamara asks, what do you mean? And he just winks at her and says, you know, winky wink. I've been waiting for you to admit it. You do know. And Miranda knew. So you know now. Or just so you know. I added a now in there, but it just felt right. Centara <laughs> butts in with a helpful, you know, it is time for you to stop being stubborn. Fucking Centara. But Samara does not know. She knows that you know, that I know, that you know, that they know some know-hows. But she doesn't know that know-how. And if you know, you know, but she does not know. So I'm glad we cleared that up. 
<laughs> she kindly asks Teletor to send her less murdery friend Rapscal to the front, but he does not. Instead, he freaks her out even more by saying he's tried he's uh, tried playing nice and that he's done uh, trying to let her come to her own conclusions. But now if she doesn't play along, shit's going to get real, real. And so she needs to know now. And wouldn't you know it? Samara finally pieces together that this was Amarinda's shop, and she was a silver a silversmith that made cool shit. And everybody just trade skills. We should all be trained in trade skills. It's very important. And so they step outside, and Samara finally asks straight up, like, why the fuck are we here? And Teletor replies, so you could get the silver, so you can fix all our problems, because that's what strong female characters are supposed to do. You fix it all. And, oh, by fix it, I mean get the silver, and it means you're going to go down in that very deep, very dark, very underground well. So, okay, okay, come on, let's go. So we jump over to the sad sack elderling royals, Rain and Mal- uh, I put Malana. <laughs> A compilation of Malala and Malta. Um, We jump over to Rain and Malta, and they're bummed because even though Tintaglia made it back to them, she's going to die. And they reminisce on their memories of TT. And for one brief moment, they consider Selden and his whereabouts. And I'm really glad (laughs) things are back to how it was in the very beginning when Selden was just an ageless afterthought. (laughs) (laughs) they continue to talk about tt right in front of her saying helpful consoling things like it's a shame she's dying and note to my friends if i'm ever in a coma and i find out these are the types of things that you say to me i will haunt you (laughs) she's not even in the coma Right? They're just, like, talking shit about her right in front of her. It's so fucked. And then Malta notices how Titi and Fran have the same scaling around their eyes. And isn't that cute? And then she talks about her son dying right in front of his face. And it's just like, what's wrong with this lady? So (laughs) she then places Fran's hand to Titi, saying, touch her once before you go. Imagine how beautiful you would have been if she could have guided you. And that because that's what's really important, if he was beautiful or not. And then to Titi, she says, Tintaglia, if you must go, give him something of yourself first. Give him a memory of flight. Give him a thought of your beauty to carry into the dark. Something I also think is kind of selfish. So back to the well. Thamara's like, bitch, you're crazy. And Teletor's all like, bitch, you're going in the goddamn well, whether you like it or not. And then Satara <laughs> shows up to keep Thamara safe from the crazy man, except for Ono JK, She's here to force her into the well, too. So cool, cool, cool. You know, all right, this is what it is. Thamara declares that she's going to hate Rapscal forever. And then she's just like, fine, I'll get in the well. So the two elderlings rig up their spelunking gear really easily. And I was just surprised at how quickly they were able to do that because it seemed like a really big hurdle previously. But now spelunking, here we go. And they head into the darkness. And Rapsy goes first because he's a man. And then Thamara goes with her little glowworm necklace around her neck for good vision. And they get to the bottom. And damn if there aren't some cool-ass dragon skin gloves. Oh, wait, a whole skeleton. Oh, God, there's a whole skeleton down here. We learn it's Amarinda. There was an evacuation in the town after what sounds like a volcanic eruption. Teletor made it out of the city alive. Amarinda died in the well. And that's fucked, but like, whatever. Anywho, there's no silver in here. And so it's time to go back up. And as they climb up, the Mara's trusty glowworm and some well-timed memory recall help her read some chicken scratch on the wall. And there's something about valves and whatever. <laughs> and she mashes a secret button and then stones start popping out of the walls. And it's like, hi-ho, silver. It's a flowing. <laughs> And 
And then Samara hollers up to Rapsy that they need to bust move and get the fuck out of this well because it's filling up fast. And so they make it out unscathed. And those grubby fucking dragons are already circling in the sky trying to get the silver. So we pop back over to the sad sacks and they're slightly less so. Baby Fran is chomping on his mama's titty with a newfound vigor. And damn if that Tintaglia didn't actually hook that baby up with the gift of life. So good on you, Tintaglia. All of a sudden, Kala was coming in hot, presumably to eat TT's body, but instead he's like an air tanker trying to put out a wildfire. He sprays her down with a bucket full of silver, and then the other dragon tankers follow suit. And then, like a half deflated pool toy getting pumped back up with air, <laughs> Tintaglia. <laughs> Tintaglia comes back to life. Her body is healed, and the first rousing words she says to those who saved her are, I'm going to Taco Bell. then her body casually spits out the very gross arrowhead that started all this bullshit and she declares they'll pay for that malta is thrilled yelling into the skies she flies the most beautiful of all the queens flies as though her brother and son's lives were never in peril and tt replies with a simple you damn right and that's it In burp news, a message sealed in wax, locked in a safe, and protected by retina technology from the master of Cheehog Bird Guild to the master of the Bingtown Guild. It says, we intercepted this note from a Chalcedian addressed to Kim. Death to Kim. (laughs) 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 All right. So much happens. Okay. So the... One of the themes that we find again and again in Robin Hobbs work is that, you know, it's that idea of the wheel, what has happened will happen again. You know, this isn't an it's kind of a trope, but she embraces it wholeheartedly. So now we have this idea. It's like, well, why, what is the point of this of the of these old memories? And it's because they need these old memories channeled through living people so that they can sort of remember what was happening in order to save the future. And I think that's really beautiful and poetic and kind of weird and strange. But all I could think of really was Zelda. Like the whole time, <laughs> the whole time. Maybe she like, played an asshole to Zelda. She pushes the button and then the, like the war, you know, everything starts moving around and all I could hear is, you know, just like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, so it moves one over. It's like Tetris. There's like a block. And then, there, you know, like, I don't know a lot about how locks and wells work, but it seemed like bullshit what was being described to me. But I do know that Hob usually knows what the fuck she's talking about. So I believe she I believe she knows how silver fills the well. I feel like I, she does. I think she knows how wells work. I just don't. I don't I know mean, how wells work. I, I almost took this chapter just because of like the engineering aspect of this well i literally almost took it uh but it it seems like she went to and accidentally operated this thing and then her instinct told her to like okay close the the valve or whatever to that refills the well and by that time she'd gotten this old machine operating and she tried to put it back into place and it kind of just broke yeah it just came apart yeah but uh yeah, I thought it was a really, really good description of, you know, just trying to th- operate this old machine to get this well working. It was really cool. Now, the size of it also became more apparent as she described it, because I thought it was like like a regular well, you know, like 
you know, like a mm. like just like your 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 general medieval well. <laughs> well, a small I mean, child could fall down it, but not really anything else. But it seems like if you could stand on a thing that could go up and down like an elevator, it seemed, it must have been much bigger. Than well, that. and they were both down there together with a right. skeleton, and they it didn't seem <laughs> like they were like sitting on each other's shoulders or anything. Like I feel like it was a hearty size, and we know that the bucket was very large because dragons right. are very large, and we need a large supply of the silver so mm-hmm. this is very very big there's gonna Extra be a very large, large footprint no of a well fit in our yeah. living room oh my gosh the well is gonna be the best place in roland all the good <laughs> stuff will be there we'll just have um taps all the way around it where you can just free flow you know pouring your i think the, i think that there should be like little either color-coded or like maybe fake footprints in the ground that you can go through and you can have experiences throughout our our uh skill stone city you know where you see projections mm-hmm. or maybe actors or whatever so mm. you know and it doesn't have to just be Kelsingra. we could you know we it depends on where you are different you know you could see different societies different cultures Oh, it's like it. the ice bar as the show. Exactly, exactly. Which is the best place. If you want to meet me, I'll be at the ice bar. That's where I am. <laughs> you hated the cold. <laughs> I will be I in a I coat. Should... But I'm always at the bar. So that's where <laughs> she'll, she'll be in a dolphin coat at the bar, just surrounded by all the things that she hates most while she's drinking. Like honest. Rant, ranting about ranting about pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess. Your name is Kim. Do not come. Do you think that the sacrifice of Rapscall in order to facilitate, going back to my original point, in order to facilitate this knowledge, right? Because the elderlings don't believe in books. What, is it worth it? I will say that it is probably the most irritating part of this book. Although I did sort of cheer when he gave his like little anime monologue <laughs> which we... I don't think has happened yet but he gives he gives a little monologue that he goes full full uh full teletor and tells himself out or whatever whatever do you, tell, do you want me to be a do you wanted me to just be a moron all the time that one yeah it's like i mean are we supposed to feel like he made a great sacrifice by allowing himself to become somebody else so that he would be able to facilitate this whole well i don't think he knows why and i don't think he sacrificed himself but i think we as the reader from the outside can see that if this hadn't happened they would not have recovered the well in order to mean, maybe 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 he could have learned knowledge without like giving in completely to the memories but I mean, I don't know. If we, I don't know. I, I feel, feel like, like it's just a. He had to be pretty deep in it to figure out enough about her to know. I mean, that's how destiny works, right? You can't be yeah. like, well, if if anything was changed, would it have still happened? I mean, that's the kind of shit that the fool does I mean, all day. I like, guess we're... these these books really are about destiny, but yeah. <laughs> the uh, my my feelings on it are is that like Teletor must have been extremely extremely charismatic. And Rapscall was pretty susceptible 
to other people. Mm. I think Rapscal wanted to be liked. I think Rapscal wanted to feel important. He he was people made fun of him. He was excluded. And I think that there is a siren song to that to be like, what if I could just be someone great that everyone admired? Yeah. Maybe maybe that was what pulled him in. Even though no one actually likes Telator. At all. Nobody likes Telator. He's garbage, (laughs) man. But that is is that the lesson? Be yourself, unless you can be a horrible monster from the past that knows things <laughs> that you don't know. I, mean, it just... <laughs> I think that, that that's what Hob does, is Hob never really tells you, I've decided that you're going to learn a lesson. It's really just like, sometimes life is weird. And yeah. <laughs> Maybe sometimes... that's why the, these books are so good. Yeah, and sometimes stuff works out lesson. even though it shouldn't. <laughs> life will find a way and all that all that <laughs> jazz it's pretty again points for hobbed for writing horror because finding the skeleton and that doing that indiana jones thing at the bottom of the well was pretty that was pretty good <laughs> i thought they were both chill for just like randomly finding a skeleton down there but okay. not just a skeleton a skeleton you know Right? Mm-hmm. And especially because the Mara's like, rad. I'm never going to go in a well ever. That well is like my worst nightmare. She said it before in previous sections. And then she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go in this well. And then there was also a dead body of somebody she knows. Well, it's because like, that's why she was afraid. Because she because mm, somehow yeah. she knew that that's where Amarinda had died. Mm-hmm. So cool. The city knows. To all you skeletons out there, I would love to find you. If you could just... <laughs> shoot me a text <laughs> my sister uh bought a house of the first house that she bought downtown charleston it was built in like the 1870s and when they were doing work um some foundational work on the house they kept finding like chunks of bones underneath the house <gasps> and i walked to her house i went to her house one day and like on the railing of her porch there were just all these little things lined up and they were like very clearly chunks of human bone like i don't know i've oh, never seen a human bone in person horrifying. in my life but i was like that is from a human's body and it turns out the old hospital used to be in that <gasps> part of town and so they would just like chop up bone parts and bury them under the ground like not in like a like an illegal way it's just like what they did with them and so like uh-huh. all the little bone pieces were from the old hospital just burying bones because that's what they did yeah so i know where you can get some bones they're on amherst street (laughs) (laughs) taking notes yes yeah Uh, packing my bags okay (laughs) (laughs) uh and then also i thought it was nice that before tintaglio was cured she did a very undragon like thing and saved fron yeah Maybe not for a that long was... time, because we know that they die if their dragon dies. But she she did what she could, which was nice. Yeah. She gave a little... A little, a little. She does but care I... about people. Malta's sort performance of. was unsavory at best. I know that she's <laughs> desperate and sad-sacky, but, like, really? You're going to rub in a dying creature's face the fact that they're dying while they're dying? Like, it's just rude. <laughs> You're very offended by this, aren't you? I am. I think that's totally fucked. You're supposed to be positive and helpful and try to console. You're, and just what? Like you're getting better. Like, you're going to get better. You want to? No, or like it's going to be okay. <laughs> like maybe, maybe Tintaglia is scared about dying. And but yeah, but you know what? When you're comforting somebody, you just say what needs to be said. Okay. 
<laughs> I guess so. But, you know, they're, like, mentally connected. I don't know if you could bullshit a dragon if they can read your mind, you know? <laughs> I think they only care about that kid right now. That's their, uh... Fron. The only focus right now. <laughs> With Tentaglia's last breath, she's How much like, did they no. care about that kid naming it Fron? She's like, I was really <laughs> calling the child Fron. In fact, Aww. I renamed him and it cured him. That's really just been his problem. <laughs> <laughs> I named whole time he was just so disappointed. <laughs> uh, um, do we have anything else to say about chapter seventeen? Mm. Sorry to push us along, but I'm just looking at time. How dare you? I'm good. All right, take us to chapter eighteen. All right. Let me bring this in real close. Chapter 18 is Seduction. Oh, all right. Seduction, seduction. Today we find our fine friend Hest grounded and begging for his internet privileges back, amongst other things. I won't do it again, I promise. You gotta, you gotta turn off the parental controls, please, please. You could always play Minesweeper, says Leftrin. Oh, man. <laughs> It turns out nobody trusted him, and Hest has been voted into confinement until they find a ship that can sa sail his sorry ass back to Kasarik. Hest is advised that he may have to leave the horrid confines of his spa uh, if he's, he's quarantining to just so long as he has an escort. So he hatches a plan to make friends with one of those hip dragon kids. Soon enough, he gets a jailer he thinks he can work with when Davy arrives on the scene. Fresh from a breakup with Lecter. I don't think much of you, says Davy. Cedric thinks you're a huge dick. Hest, only hearing the words huge dick, decides to move in for the... <laughs> oh, those hands. That face. Get you some jewelry to go with that glow. But how will Dave Davy respond? Hob intervenes at this time and sobers us up with a nice Selden section. I feel drained, says Selden. That's it. That's the whole section. <laughs> <laughs> then we're back with Leftrin. He's telling Elise that those birds they sent to Kassark flew in the wrong direction. <laughs> Kings, am I right? <laughs> Guess we need to go sail back and let them know about the Chalcedians, you know. And uh, plus we can go get supplies and take those shadier residents back with us. It's in the middle of this extremely romantic conversation that Leftrin proposes. All right, so back with Hest and Davy. Looks like Hest has found an escort to make out point. I mean, the map tower. Fishing for compliments, Hest says, Slow down. An old man like me doesn't take steps as easily as you do. <laughs> well, we can just look out of this mediocre window if you're too tired, says Davy. This goes on for a while. Uh, and then Hess throws all pretense aside and goes in for a smooch. Another hob intervention. Where's Davy? Carson says to Cedric. Not in the baths. But they can hear a commotion from up in the tower and Carson leaps up the stairs. Boom! Crash the sound of my heart. These steps go on and on and on and on. And <laughs> They find Hest and Davy at the top. Hest has a bloody nose, and Davy looks pissed, and then he storms out. 
Cedric tells Carson that Davy doesn't need protecting, and he doesn't either. And so Carson leaves those two being time fops at the top of the tower, and he goes downstairs to talk to Davy. Cedric is giving him a piece of his mind, and all the while Hest is off in his own world. He's imagining how good of a job he's doing manipulating everyone. Cedric's going to come back to me. Elise is going to come back to me. I'll get super rich. Kelsingra is mine. And I'm going to tell my dad to F off. You did a good job, Cedric. Let me repay you, says Hest. He runs his finger down Cedric's arm. Seduction, says <laughs> This is his best move. It always works. A few minutes later, <laughs> Hess comes down the tower steps with a totally busted up face. He's bleeding all over. Cedric, Carson, and Davy are having a great time. They're talking about Punch and Hest. <laughs> Suddenly, all the dragons, they start banging pots and pans all over Kelsinger at the same time. They're raising the traditional alarm for an intruder. Looking to the sky, they see it could be only one thing. He's big. He's black. He's ice fire. Hest, fuming, deciding to go to the baths, thinking that's where Cedric's going to wait for me. He's going to be alone. He's going to want to make up. Mm-hmm. How fucked up is this psycho? Anyway, just as he's entering, the only other occupant in the baths, Kalo, is leaving. You're in my way, snack, says the big dragon. <laughs> Surprisingly, Hest can understand the animal. Wow. He takes this opportunity to subdue the creature. Davy will be so jealous if I just take this dragon. Mm-hmm-hmm. He's going to be mine. Hest is going to be back on top, baby. My name is Hest. What is yours? I think I'll give you a special name. I'll call you Blue Glory. You are oh mine God. now. <laughs> Hest... Uh, Kalo gives Hest a special name, too. Meat. Guess how this chapter ends. <laughs> Thank you for coming out tonight. This book is actually over now. Good night, everybody. Drink responsibly. <laughs> Kidding. Here's some bird mail. Eric directs Raoul to prepare for an upcoming audit. We've got nothing to hide, my boy. The filth of Saruman is washed away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, literal tears coming out of the corners of my eyes. Seduction. I just want to know, like, <laughs> seduction. I'm doing that later. We'll see if it works. <laughs> just walk up to Joey, put a finger down his arm. <laughs> Uh, I should cosplay head. Alright. Zephanus pheromones. What are you talking about? I have an add-on. When you go mm. to the baths at Roteland and <laughs> no. when, when you pick the wrong one, there's gonna be a big wrong black one. dragon in there. <laughs> What's the wrong one? <laughs> And then it's gonna mm. eat you and poop you out in the in the in the parking lot, and then you're done. <laughs> An ignominious exit to your time. <laughs> yeah, That's you what happens anyone. to people who are creepy and they're like looking, you know, like yeah. When you have no friends to ask where you are. 
but see, people would be like, "Oh my god, did you hear about the caps?" You know, they 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 talk about it, but this is just this is for the friendless creeps. Who... Yeah, you don't get talked about if you get eaten by the dragon, right? Yeah. It's just you're suddenly you're just ejected. We don't make announcements. <laughs> He's the bouncer of the baths. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blue glory. That's just, I was like, it sounded so like lame. a fucking like a and Will Ferrell movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Low key, my favorite part of this book is when at the very end, like he's got his leg bitten off, and it, he describes it, it's like the the way the book describes it is Blue Glory said, Mmm, you're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> It's just my favorite part. It's like, because it's from Hess's point of view. Right. It's so good. <laughs> I guess Kalo is so black that he's blue. It was confusing for me. Maybe you guys describe him as blue-black. Yeah, I feel a... like they've... I always got the, like, midnight blue vibe from him. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was thinking, is there a blue light? Is there just, like, like a fog machine and... I mean, there are LED, you know, club lights in the baths for, you know, <laughs> the later, I just the later love, crew. I love that he just fucked up. He just fucked up. It's like when you walk into the wrong place in a video game and you just die immediately. But there's no <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh, I should not have gone in there. It was not the right level. Well, you get to try over unless you're hissed. I just love that once again, he's just like got all these grand plans for what he's gonna do and then just gets ruined immediately because he's a moron because he like can't read the room ever accurately <laughs> yeah yeah it's all he can see is his e- his ego blinds him it's just yeah uh, i appreciate robin hobbs love of tearing people's legs off <laughs> <laughs> she's like, the what body do we do them? we're gonna have serpents. another giant dragon rip off a leg yeah it's great I mean, it's a better ending than, like, you know, a Kyle, like... I think that... I think Hob watched a lot of Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's it's funny, though, because this is yet another, like, you have served your plot purpose. You're done. Yep. The plot ends here. <laughs> but it, it feels so more fast. satisfying because it's, like, he's orchestrating it himself by being a dumbass again. That's true. After, yes. after Kenneth, yeah. you don't really want to watch him, like, live a good life. And, no yeah or like die a good death like it was good that he just like was yep. alone and an, an idiot just got eaten by a dragon i mean i wanted it to be <laughs> relpta but you know Kalo mm-hmm. was good too well Kalo had he, he was busy right like he's he is he's been a busy guy he's feeding people he's <laughs> he's leading them he just doesn't have he needed he needed a snack he was so great yeah. Yeah, look, falling in love, falling in love is neurochemically expensive, and he needed an amino acid boost. Okay, (laughs) like (laughs) he just needed some protein to help boost that shit, so he could deal with like all the feels that, all the tingles that Tingle Taglia was giving him. So, did anyone else feel like the map tower and the dragon baths are like conveniently close together? <laughs> it feels like they're the same building. It feels like yeah, the I thought same. That they it feels were the like same they're exa- the exact same building. So why didn't Fitz find the dragon baths? Well, I mean, it, they he wouldn't probably have saw them for him like, him because... that's just water. Yeah, why wouldn't? Why wouldn't they? 
That's a regular person. They, bath. The baths didn't care. work until a dragon walked baths. in. Oh, I know. No, I know why. Because Fitz doesn't is extremely uninterested in baths. <laughs> He's exactly. actually repelled. Yeah. He's repelled by baths. What's in there? A bath? Never. Not doing that. He <laughs> wouldn't even recognize what a bath was. I actually appreciate that kind of consistency from Hob. Like. I can put the baths here, and it's not actually, like, a retcon, because I've already established that Fitz does not bathe. (laughs) Pretty good. I like it. I also really am proud of Davi for not, uh, for, one, getting dumped and not succumbing to Hest. One, because Hest is old now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, he's, he's like what 25 Hest is trying Ancient. to do those TikTok dances and he's just not yeah he's he's trying to fit in with the Gen Z's he's like he a describes... 30 year old at the high school party mm-hmm. and it's just weird he like when Angel Elise goes to like, he describes Elise as like a woman of her years I'm like isn't she like 27 yeah right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh I know we are just so we all know we were in, in a Robin Hobby we are universe, ancient we are ancient we're yeah. elders. It's okay. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> We've long since passed on. We're older than Burrich when Burrich was, like, old. Oh, I'm a skeleton, I should call myself. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you guys are on about. I live in a college town, and I have very definitely been hit on by boys that I could be there. I got knocked up on prom date mother. Oh, I get called get ma'am. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I've started getting a lot of mams. Like when you're at the when you're at the at the concert and he's got that sweet little not twenty one on his arm and he's still trying to holler like, oh honey, oh honey, <laughs> oh wow, all right, get get it. Right? <laughs> not a joke. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <sighs> no, I but, get I get. Excuse me, ma'am. Oof. <laughs> hurts it really hurts um well that was great good job eli that was really really good i think i think you brought it thanks yeah. definitely i get that star. that magic mark of like three beers that's like the, <laughs> magic, the magic mark so does the does the audiobook say raul instead of rayal i think it was rayal i'm just oh, okay i just couldn't remember how to spell it and that's how i pronounced it Whatever. Okay. I just well because it's just curious because you know there's always sometimes there's a lot of differences between pronunciation and the audiobook. It's Raul and... now. It's Raul now. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we can we can we can finish up this section if Felissa's ready. I am so ready. Get it to finish up this section. Chapter nineteen is called Ice Fire, and that is with an. A why and why. It's 2 p.m. and a poisoned ice fire, aka the end of the book plot device, is hung over and rabid. Fuck, everyone says. <laughs> Shit, that thing is a wild animal. Centaur confirms, and they build a little zoo around him. Rapscal slash Teletor doesn't give a dick, though. The famed dragon wrangler strides toward Fire and Ice the restaurant to give him a royal welcome. <laughs> Finally, Ice Fire says, the forgotten manners of old. Chivalry isn't dead. Chivalry is dead. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Rapscal. 
starts LARPing even harder at the first sign of dragon approval, and Morkor has to rein him in and school him about how dragon revenge is really none of his business and to please stop saying things. They finally get Icefire his silver, and then Rapscal gets a confirmation newsfeed directly into his ear and declares war on an entire sovereign nation. Okay, okay, cool. Maybe Thymara doesn't like you because you have absolutely no chill. <laughs> they argue about war until Leftrin says to Elise, they fly at dawn, the horns trumpet, and he adds, we should probably warn Kasserick because this is nuts. <laughs> You know what else is nuts, Elise says. We have to transport my ex-hestband on that boat and may have to speak to and even perceive him. (laughs) (laughs) Leftrin goes, well, about that, and posits that Hest escaped sometime after the gay fight with Davy and they just kind of forgot about him. So he's probably roaming about somewhere and Elise is like, oh, good. And he's never seen, heard from, or thought about ever again. Cut to Thymara opening the door to her bedroom and Rapscal is wearing nothing but the sheerest of lace. Sitting on the end of her bed, nips out seduction. Thymara says, no thanks, I'm good, you can go. And Rapskeletor starts begging, and then when he doesn't get what he wants, he calls Thymara a bitch. Typical. She marches him out of her room, and when he turns around with the, and another thing, she slams the door in his face, and I hope it hits stupid Nosator on the way out. <laughs> Dawn breaks, a red sun rises, the trumpets toot. Nothing stirs. The day goes by and the book amends. They fly at some time in the afternoon. (laughs) Robin Hobb chooses who gets to go with the dragons to war and who gets to stay based on the separating of couples, which whatever you want, you're in charge of this podcast in my life. Thymara and Tats get to stay behind together, though. Malta declares that Kelsingra is her home now, and little Efron's home, too, and he's never gonna hide his ugly little face. <laughs> Bird mail. Kimberly is on paid leave after his crimes, I guess, like some kind of cop. <laughs> the end. Yes. I feel like some of the people that had to go to war should not go to war. <laughs> Probably not. Or, um, it was almost like they chose the based on who name? would be more she uncomfortable. She was terrified. Yeah. Sylvie. Jerd. Sylvie. Oh, Sylvie. Sylvie and Jerd. Yeah, they were both like, it's, no, you shouldn't have to go. Like, yeah. It's like these fucking dragons are like, you're my you're my emotional support human and you're I'm taking you into danger whether you like it or not. Like, fuck you. Like, this is, this is not mutuality. I like yeah. the one dragon that's like, I like to do cool tricks, so... <laughs> <laughs> So I want you to fall on. off me. I'm pretty, uh, you know, a wild card. <laughs> yeah, I, it was um, it was interesting the way I was like, oh, okay, so we're basically clearing out everyone so that we can write about less people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, we got too many, so we're going to kill some just for emotional ha-has. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I am wor- I am worried about rain. Although I am glad that Rain did the callback. I would rather ride on top of Tintaglia than be <laughs> crushed in her claws. And I also respect the fact that she retconned the whole Centara saying that no one ever rides a dragon by Centara being like, well, I just don't have any memory of that. So 
<laughs> I just don't want that. It's Please not, don't want that. It's not me. It's not a me thing. And then Mercor's like, it's an individual choice. <laughs> Whether it doesn't count when it's war, you guys. It's different. <laughs> also, I like that they were really concerned about like the colors of the harness. <laughs> like, what's going to look good? <laughs> I know. Fashion. <laughs> we got to get there first so we can pick the right one. He wants to look good. from Kelsingra. What? If our colors clash, it won't scare the enemy. We can sell really cool <laughs> harnesses. You know, harnesses are in now. They're very fashion forward. So we can do we can do some of that. You can buy some of that at Roteland. Very overpriced. <laughs> no, we're not going to price gouge our people. Uh, we are price gouging them, Ashley. Well, no, we're not going to price gouge. We're going to pay like the artisans what they're actually worth. And that is going to feel like price gouging. But, you know, only because we're not engaging in slave labor um, but actually, like, what's a living wage for someone in, you know, Western culture to make this? Exactly. Yeah, I'm good with that. You know. Top quality goods. Also, you should not be able to buy a cool dragon battle harness for, like, pennies, okay? It's cool. It's, like, exclusive. I didn't say pennies. I just said not price gouging. This is America. Anything over $10 is too much. <laughs> um, and I also very much like that the, like me, dragons don't do mourning. <laughs> <laughs> we leave at the crack of noon. What, what was Lefteren, <laughs> what, what the fuck was Lefteren even trying to do? He's like, I'm leaving at dawn. I don't know about the rest of you. <laughs> Tarman's going to paddle his way as soon as light hits. Bye-bye. <laughs> He's sort of a dragon. Uh, yeah. Mm. Did anybody besides me have a lot of, like, anxiety about the, the weird ex-husband? Just, like, as far as you know, just creeping around yes. town? Like, like, I... If, if like, that, okay, I am so with you on that. If I, they were like, oh, well, we think he wandered away. I'm like, okay, well, let's go find his fucking body then. Like, let's hunt him. Yeah. Like, which one of these dragons has the best nose? Because I want that fucker found. I need to know where he is. Yeah. I need to know that I, I don't have like to worry. I just like that didn't feel the need to tell anybody. No. Yeah. Like, if that was Relta, she would have been like, I ain't Hest. And Kalos yes. just like, eh. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I was, How many kills does Kalo eaten? Like, <laughs> we should do head counts every day. Dragons are just eating people now. It's just his, like, 10 o'clock cereal. <laughs> it's his 11 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously nobody cared that Hest got eaten. That's not the problem. Like, but we need to know that he's gone, that he's never coming back again. Yeah, I, I would definitely need to know that he was not so, some, like, uh, you know, every time you hear something in the night or, like, a crunch in the leaves outside your window, right. that it's not him exactly. prowling around. Exactly. Oh, my God. I don't know. I think I would just be like, oh, he fell in a hole or died in the woods or a dragon ate him or something. No. No, like that would literally, I would have anxiety for the rest of my life and that would, I, I really hate it. Well, she it, lives but... on a boat. Elise lives on a boat. So he's not on the I boat. I mean, I guess that's true. If she's not living in Kelsingra, it's it's like less problematic, but still... But Cedric does. Exactly, Cedric well, Cedric, does. Cedric didn't even wonder. 
Cedric was like, whatevs. I'll just punch him again if he shows back up. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm so hot now. That's all I care about. I have all these muscles. I'm carrying those ten sticks that time. That's <laughs> <laughs> not like, body. Get him? Like I thought he had a, like I thought he had no muscles. I thought that was the whole point. He's frail. <laughs> Well, no, you know, they, I mean the earliest descriptions of Cedric was that he was in shape, but like you know, city boy that doesn't actually have to do work ever in shape, but goes. To yeah, the it was gym. that he goes to the gym and like does reps in the mirror, kind of in shape, not the like I come by these muscles from splitting logs and throwing hay bales. <laughs> he didn't have useful muscles. He had muscles that look good, but they didn't do anything when he needed them to. <laughs> <He was> just- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He couldn't afford a car, so he walked everywhere. (laughs) So this is the, you covered the, uh, the anime speech. Do you want to talk more about that? Um, I don't know that we got to it. Maybe I read further and I, than I thought I did. Oh. No, well, it was in this was section. Like, this, this is where was he it? said, did you want me to read it? I haven't like read a we've got to go fight Chelsea speech. Yeah. But he makes a comment about, like, did you want me to be the dum-dum forever? And, you know, it's like, I, I kind of felt for him in that moment of, like, everybody was so blatant about making fun of him to his face. And, of course, that doesn't feel good. And they should have been better friends than that. So it's fair for yeah. him to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I think that but- they've made it clear that this magic allows you to kind of combine brain power a little bit and to be like the person that you were before but with like the memory and intelligence of someone else that would kind of suck to look back on oh hey yeah I was maybe not as smart as I am now and I don't like that do you actually think that that um, was Rapscal's judgment of himself or was that um, Skeletor's judgment of Rapscal (laughs) Honestly, I think it could be both. I mean, I want to believe that they're kind of, like, intertwined. I I mean, Teletor's, like, a memory of himself. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I don't know how, like, how how much of Teletor is in him. Is it, like, a shadow of Teletor? Is it just, like, the whatever he bits he can glean from those stones? Or is it, like... It's like full on Teletor. Like I wanna believe that Teletor was like a real like really charismatic guy and then you've just got like this little barest glimpse of this is you've got this is just anime Teletor. <laughs> Imprint imprinted on Well yeah, because it's not Teletor's whole life, it's like a week of Teletor's life. Yeah, you've just got the parts in the book, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, to, oh, no. to- Oh, I, I was going to shift the topic a bit. So, if you have a finishing thought there, oh, I, I just thought that it was, it's, it's. I think one, it's a metaphor for like growing up, for becoming a different person than you were, when you know, you may have made friends and evolving beyond those friends because you have different interests now, and just like knowing that you no longer have connection. And it's kind of sad, but you don't. It doesn't have to be a fight. You just kind of drift apart. But mm-hmm. I also feel like I also feel like there's something to be said about this 
again, the skill is a very, very useful magic, but it is also a potentially devastating magic. One, we know the world has already ended because of it and started again. And I really do believe that Rapscal slash Teletor is a cautionary tale that like lives among them of what they need to guard against. Not just mm-hmm. what happened to Rapscal, but the Teletor's attitudes. Yeah. Maybe he didn't yeah, le- I- read the last chapter of the book. i don't know i just i don't feel like anything about this new version of rapscal is an improvement and in fact i think it's actually really awful and i think he's a horrible person like teletor is an asshole um the way he talked to her the way he was arguing with her i mean maybe it's just triggering for me because i've had people do that like exact sort of um like try and out logic you and like you you know you can't keep up with it and then it you just are left feeling small and stupid um and cut down like okay maybe that was just me being triggered but um i was like you're a fucking asshole get the fuck out i don't ever want to see you i don't want to see your name on a page again i hope you fall off relpta not relpta um kibi and fucking die like that's that's my opinion of teletor as a a human being he's awful what does it do to hebe right like what does teletor's influence do to hebe because we know that hebe has been very connected to Rapscall, and that's why she's such sort of like an affable, you know, happy dragon. Yeah. Like, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll tell like, Rap- her to like, something else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I feel, I feel like Hob, she, she, she portrayed Rapscall almost as being like simple, um, like cognitively delayed, <laughs> um, at first, and I think that was a mistake, um, be, like because she didn't emphasize that he was just different. Um, but then she tried to like backtrack on that. Oh, he's not actually simple Jack. He's like dip. He's just you know has a weird point of view or whatever. And so then it's like, oh well, he actually has this like incredible innocence because he doesn't th- see the world necessarily through the same filters that everyone else does, or doesn't have the same um, kind of social mistrust. And then that made him a really sweet character and a like a really sweet kind of gentle person and so then to have that completely just subsumed into this cynical you know dick bag like i don't know (laughs) she ruined a perfectly good himbo (laughs) exactly she has but i also feel like that that's the that's the core of the the metaphor for growth right knowing knowing hob i wouldn't be surprised if Rapscal retreated into Hebe. Oh. If they're connected that way? Do you think that that's possible? I I mean, with these stories? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I I think it's really sad. I, I do like that he acknowledges... Well, it's it's interesting because, like, in that conversation, you find out, like, Amarinda was already cheating on Teletor, right? She had, like, another boyfriend. They were seeing each other Well, it sounded like that was who she was dating before him. Yeah, I thought that ended. But it, but it also sounded but, like that but didn't no, really But end. Rachel has a really good point just in the fact that it seems like they were dating multiple people as, like, a their society. Just yes. that was kind of the norm. Right, and Teletor was sort of jealous about that. And, you know, he's already kind of... Like, this whole idea where him and Amaranda are going to be together forever. I'm like, let's say Kalsingra didn't get destroyed. I don't think that that was in your future, bud. 
That story of him, like, trying to get to her, like, fighting against all odds, my arm's broken, and I'm just yelling down a well at a dead lady. Like, it was <laughs> kind of a lot. Just very in in theme with Teletor. Yeah, and then it sort of just ends. He just sort of goes through He's like, oh, I guess killer. I just gave up at some point and went through yeah. the portal. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's, it's like... I loved you so much. I broke my arm trying to get to you, and I was yelling for you, and I just couldn't climb down the well with one arm. And But then I went through the portal and left. Like, <laughs> it seems like it seems like Teletor feels like he's the main character in that story, but really it was Amarinda because what Amarinda <laughs> did was so much more important. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you didn't even really need the Teletor, like, you know, tape. You really just needed the Amarinda tape. Yeah, really. He could have just stopped in there. <laughs> like if it had been Amarinda and her other boyfriend, her other her other silversmith boyfriend, that would have actually been a lot more useful than Tony or like George. literally just Amarinda's diary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell it You live on. Good job. You did it. I don't know, maybe he's got something super cool to do before the end. Uh, and also, Kim. Kim has been caught. Kim has been apprehended. The criminal Kim. Hooray! Everyone knows now what you did. You took money to do bad things. Those poor interns working for Kim. <laughs> They're never going to work in that industry. I They're know, never. it's like they don't get any of their credit <laughs> because they were working for a criminal. Yeah. Led mm-hmm. astray. The journeymen have to be journeymen for extra time. Yeah. To go well, to they gotta be school. retrained. They have to, you know, like basically make sure that none of the 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 bad, wrong, shady shit that Kim was doing. Like, no, no, this is just how it is. Like, just to unlearn their actually... bad habits. Exactly. Yeah. Defund the pigeon guild of. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Defund Katsarik. <laughs> Speaking of pigeons, I'm sending you. Oh no! I'm so excited. I'm waiting. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Is it coming via text message or in the chat? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, you're so fast. Oh my god! Those How guys. do you do shit that fast? That's crazy. You are the fastest. Lizzie oh, would face. Yes. I'm all I eat this on a sticker stack. Yeah, I mean, I desperately need this uploaded to Redbubble immediately. <laughs> it's big enough for Redbubble. Make it bigger, Jenny. At first, sticker is plenty big. <laughs> True. It's the most fantastic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> fucking medallion <laughs> I'm putting oh this listeners I will put this on Instagram so that you can navigate yourselves there to see this <laughs> gorgeousness to see two toes and Wizzywood. <laughs> oh man with their glowy flame jewel eyes. Also, if you want to submit a song that sounds like it's by Two Toes featuring Wizzywood, 
I support you. <laughs> Two times. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so good. This is so good, Jenny. <laughs> it's incredible. There's nothing else to talk about, so I'm just gonna end it. Um, uh, every, doing every episode. Prompts? Yes, every episode prompts this be my crew character introductions and exits. Well, shout out to Two Toes and Wizzywood. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the stars of this section, um, and and the exit of Hest, and also Blue Glory. Bye. My Blue hero. Glory. <laughs> That's the first song of Two Toes and Wizzywood. Yeah, it's Blue Glory. Somebody write it. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so goodbye, Hest. Um, Can't say I missed you. Ice Fire's back. Old Icy Hot, he's here. Arn is all saggy skin, just freaking everybody out. <laughs> he was not invited. He was aggressively not invited. It's just an old umbrella of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> one of the umbrellas that gets like destroyed in the storm and then yeah. just like laying on the sidewalk the next day yeah <laughs> oh, um and also you know shout out and goodbye to amarinda you did you did good and we broke your well that'll do pick. that'll do <laughs> reservoir it's a reservoir it's a reservoir don't say well <laughs> Uh, shady business adventures. Who is being shady? Well, hey, fucking Kim, you done? You caught? Yeah, right? <laughs> we know. Everyone's getting all that shady business is getting, getting taken care of. All that's left is stupid Duke of Chelsea, Duke Tony. <laughs> Get ready. All, all these chapters are taking out the trash. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. for sure. But bundling all that up. Maybe not in a satisfying way for Ashley, but still <laughs> it taking all, stuff yeah. off the board. It's just going to be like Take one page, and it's just going to be like bullet points of things that happened. <laughs> to, kind to of. To just like wrap it up. Literally, I think that's like the last couple of It's just like, each one gets like three sentences. It's infuriating. Like, it's so obnoxious. You'll be especially excited when we get to like the time jump. <laughs> Oh, great. Can't wait. <laughs> what a tangle. What are those dragons doing? Well, drinking silver. Where is the elderling, the rider? Where is the dragon <laughs> flying? Where is the harness jingling? <laughs> fourth, fourth elderling goes. <laughs> That's what they're fucking doing. Also, Callow had a snack. Snack and snack. <laughs> Delicious. Eating that leg meat. <laughs> Do you think the leg meat is like chickens? Do you think that like our leg meat? No, is, it's like, like frogs. Meat? It's like scrawny and nothing, and they wish it was more. <laughs> uh, boats, why are they great? Apparently impervious. Nothing's fucking happening to these boats, and it pisses me off. I think Tarman should break them in half. How dare they? I want to see like someone wake up and walk out to look and greet the day, and they look over, and there's like one less boat in the water. <laughs> Tarman had a snack. 
<laughs> or Tarman's like standing on the on the shore. That would be very it's funny. I just meant like awkwardly. sunk in the water. But I think that if Tarman destroyed one out of spite, that would be equally good. I feel like it's kind of nice for them to have these two extra boats because they could start like a yeah. crew team and have an extracurricular activity. Well, they could, you know, get across the river, regardless of if they have a dragon. Right. You know, there's arable land over there. It might be important. They can go plant a vegetable garden or have a flock of sheep or something. Yeah, they could. Yeah. They could. It's just, it, you know, offends me, their whole existence. But I understand that <laughs> they're useful. Mm. I think yeah. that's how dragons feel about people. <laughs> <laughs> they can talk uh, and think, and yet they're not even... Fucking dragons. <laughs> Dare. Um, dismantling the patriarchy, badassery, animal husbandry, and expired fashions from Kelsingra. We got some of those fashions. We got some robes. We got hair. We had Elise with her rope hairdo. Mm-hmm. With the, mm-hmm. And everyone, and she was like, yeah, it looks great. That's how they wore it. And then Hesta's like, what the fuck is your hair? What are you doing with your hair? <laughs> And then has her, died. Her scandalous outfit that with her leggings that showed all the curves of her right? thighs. Right? Like, Showing off, off them things. <laughs> hmm. Scandalous. Yeah. Well, we uh, we saw we saw Elise dismantling the patriarchy by exercising her um, her right to divorce for mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he broke the marriage contract. So you know, congratulations. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Cedric also, publicly came out. Cedric came Dabby out. Davy punching has Cedric punching. Wearing Kelsingra, yes. Mm-hmm. Davy, Davy did not. It was not Kelsingra Dabby's. pride for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I'm proud of Davy that you know, even though he was vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable after his breakup, that he was not. Uh, he did not give in. Susceptible to, to the seduction. Yes, susceptible <laughs> to Hest's seduction techniques. Because, and this is why it's great, because he didn't come from a society where that kind of shame and control worked on him. You know? He's proud and out, so he doesn't, that shit doesn't work. Well, then he didn't want old peen. He's like, no, player. (laughs) (laughs) Date somebody my age. I think it's interesting because he started off the series being, like, crushing on Cedric. Yes. And now he's just like, uh, oh. <laughs> he crushes, but he's probably still thinks Cedric's hot, which means well, yeah, Cedric's definitely always man. been hotter than Hest. Like Hest is always for been sure. out of his league. <laughs> and C- Cedric was also younger than Hest, um, yeah, by at least a f- you know at least a few years. And I will say, like, there's a some you never know that the point's a little bit different for everybody, but sometimes that five years can really make a difference, like in your face collagen and like the mm-hmm. lines. And what are you trying to you say? Know, Is that yeah. why they're, I'm getting called ma'am? <laughs> that... Ma'am, ma'am. I mean, yeah. Like there's you there's a point there this... there is a tipping point where it's oh, obvious like you're losing point. your like the collagen in your face, oh. and maybe Hest has hit it, and Cedric managed to elderling out before he did. Oh. <laughs> I would never He's make just it. He's got up scales that. now. Yeah. Oh, scales. That's probably good practice for no wrinkles. I bet you they don't. I don't. They don't get wrinkles. Um. I think that's it. Reminder: Our next book we are reading. I don't know what the chapters are. Let me look it up really fast, like I do my job. The rest of the book. The rest of the book. Twenty through it's, the epilogue. Yeah, I think the it's epilogue. 
I think four it's chapters four chapters? in an epilogue. Yeah. Okay. I think it's twenty three chapters in an epilogue. Yeah. epilogue. Okay, yeah. three chapters in an epilogue. So we're gonna finish up Blood of Dragons in our next episode. forward to that i hope that it is everything that ashley needs it to be it's not gonna be (laughs) (laughs) Um, are you ready for the next episode this has been bucky radio you can email us at bucky radio at gmail let us know if you can read your email on air uh i am rachel you can find me everywhere at darth rachel uh (laughs) alissamaynard.com I'm Jenny. You can find me at Faces Free on Instagram, even though I barely post there right now. My name is Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay. Also, I, w- I just wanted to point this out. I think it's really funny. Uh, let us know if you can read your email on ma- air, maybe. And it just says maybe at the end of it. And it's never read, but it's always there, and I just think it's funny. That it's because we were unsure. It's just there. It's because the baby is just there. That's it's never because read. I, I do I do paraphrase if needed. So I don't want it to be false. It's like you write you write it down and you're like you're writing and you think that oh I don't want to be too too like you know too forward about this. But then every time you read it, you're like yeah I'm going to be forward. I'm going to be forward. <laughs> no worries if not. <laughs> uh, is it me? I'm Ashley, and I'm on Instagram at Ladybird Parker. And I'm Elena. You can find me at Moth Elena. All right, next up is Spoiler Talk. All right. What do you want to talk about? What are the spoiler emails? Oh, yeah, the spoiler email. Thank you. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know why my phone's being this way. All right, so Susanna also said in the email that I read at the beginning of the episode, this is the uh, excluded paragraph, it says, Anyways, <laughs> I am already dreading and waiting eagerly to meet again the fool, my most beloved love, and fits my dumbass love. I also <laughs> accurate. I also count you to take me through the pain it will cause. One part being the first book being like a long prologue with a lot of recapping and way, way too much of Molly. God, I wish I could like her. She's dead after like four chapters. But How takes, much can there be? But it takes so long to get to those four <laughs> chapters. It's true. But mostly the inevitable shredding of my heart to pieces. Thanks, Robin, for that. So, yeah. I think we've prepared our, our uh, Ashley. I guess it's just Ashley now. For the <laughs> Is Joey coming back? <laughs> Joey is coming back, but Joey has no feelings. Joey will be fine. Well, sometimes he gets very emotional about certain chapters. Maybe. Like that torture one. I will. I will. It, it may be interesting to see what happens. I feel like obviously he will be reading he will be recapping the birth chapter that's going to be 
What if I just peace out for the entire first book and then show up at some point later? I don't think I can. You have to suffer through it with us. You have to. It's part of the community now. I'm already suffering baseline. Can I be excused? (laughs) All right. We also got an email from Shaki who says, I started Fitz's journey in January. I just finished Assassin's Fate last night. I feel hollow. Which, so January <laughs> through now, that's only five and a half months, six months. Damn. That's, that's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of reading. I read the whole final trilogy in a state of latent anxiety, knowing it's the end and that this is Robin Hobb, so pain is inevitable. All through, there was this distance between Fitz and the Fool, which was like a weight on my chest. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Snatched. <laughs> Snatched moments of closeness quickly to be dashed again. His coldness towards Amber. Then there's B. She's a badass for sure, but her meanness towards Beloved was a bit of a deal breaker. When the end finally came, even though their eventual joining is beautiful, I needed more than just a half page telling of it after 16 books and much tears. No character ever moved me as much as they did. The Fool is quite possibly my favorite character ever. They are now together, and I remind myself that this is, after all, fiction. I don't know what I will read after this, but we'll ev- what will even compare, but I may just need to break to recover. Thanks. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Then a few hours later. <laughs> oh, actually a day later, a reply, like a, a PS. It says, PS, is it bad that I cheered when Molly died? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's just a reminder that you are whole, that you are feeling that you are human. I think that, that they make a really good point that have the hollowness because I I don't know when I was reading it I was like is this real and couldn't connect mm-hmm. at all to the text until the very end. Yeah, because they're because so, they don't they never like are themselves. You know, they're not like they're friends. It's there's always this distance between them. It's it's it is torture. Um, there's more to the PS. So is it bad that I cheered when Molly died? I felt bad for Fitz's loss because Hobbes' writing is magic. But I was like, finally free! Go find the fool already! <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly how I felt. I was like, literally, Molly is just a roadblock into doing what you're supposed to do, which is finding the fucking fool. So great. She's, she's a boom. Yeah, she's off the page. She's done. Let's do this thing. Let's, let's get cracking. Isn't that how it always is with her, though? It's true. She fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know. I know we have people who genuinely enjoy that character who listen to us. And you are probably more right than we are, but she blows. Again, I really don't hate her as, like, a person. It's just her role in the story is annoying. Yeah. She's there to, like, make everybody feel bad about not conforming to to you know social norms it's annoying <laughs> it's it's like oops i'm pregnant for several years it's just and something no about believes. it <laughs> like, i'm only yeah, 65 years old and pregnant and no one believes me. <laughs> no one believes me <laughs> i mean if fitz was less of a dumbass he might have understood what was going on i know the whole time fixed. i'm like do you remember that story that the fool told you do you remember that story this is, no, this he is, doesn't it's listen. Happening. It's happening. 
I mean, that whole first book, I was just so angry at him because I'm like, you're watching her play and you're like, wow, this reminds me of the fool as a child. I have no ability to connect these two things. I know. He's so stupid. I mean, he's so stupid. Almost too stupid. It's almost like that first book is fanfic. It's just like, it's like, yes. I don't really know how to write fits. I don't know if I believe that you know how to write fits. Yep, I I think we were talking about this long ago, but like when she confessed to reading fan fiction, it all came together for me because that first book, exactly as you said, feels like fanfic. Yeah, it does. Well, it's it feels like trying to take control over the, the happily ever after that we were kind of presented with, where it wasn't really happily ever after they're separated, but you have this there's room for a fan to be like, but eventually they're going to hook up again, right? Like they're not dead. They're both alive. They're both adventuring. Somehow they're going to be together again. Somehow they're going to run into each other and one will literally stab the other several times. <laughs> Whoops. He, run, he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife. Five times. And then there's only one bed. I... <laughs> It's just so... And then, then I took you through a portal and I left my child because you're more important. It also and bothers me, and I know this is shallow, but it bothers me that she takes the fool's beauty. Yeah. It's like, yes. fuck it's you, just because you didn't want to cosplay as this shambling corpse. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. The whole, like, like, the fool is so just, like, you know, beautiful, ethereal, like, just beyond, right? And, like, fits his garbage. And... That's the poetry. And then you made the fool garbage? What the fuck? Which is why when you guys all dressed up as the fool, you took a picture with a trash can. We did take a picture with a yes. trash can. It was so realistic. It was, yeah, like, let me book. The four fools. <laughs> a trash can. I mean, I get it. Because it's like, you know how there's a whole thing where, like, Fitz is like, I'm going to wear my beard. It makes me look older so that me and my old wife was, like, pudgy and... <laughs> saggy and you know not young anymore can like be together I for, look like i'm 35 and i'm 35 and then i shave my beard after she does and i'm just young and beautiful and i'm like so like you're young and beautiful but molly's ugly and the fool's ugly it's not fair that's not what's no it's just not and fair. the fool can't even see his beauty i know it's that's fucking, what's even worse i hate that he's blind the whole time it's fucking bullshit I hate it. It's it's not unattractive. I mean, you didn't read this many books for this. Well, I mean, it's 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 obvious. It's like again, it's circular and like beautiful and like things things always sort of end up in bullshit. Like look at Anne Marinda, right? She died at the bottom of a well trying to turn off. (laughs) You know, it's like it's like it never. It's never like this. That that speaks to me in a way. I don't know if it's because I'm obsessed with mining and miners, but like it's like this like tragic like what is your life for kind of thing that I think about a lot, and it's just like kind of beautifully tragic in a way. And I really like her story, and it's different. It's different to me. I can't explain it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, no, I think, but again, it's not a beautiful ending, right? It's not. It's not the kind of like right off into the sunset ending that we get with a lot of a lot of you know our our epic stories like it's gross and bad and 
you do sacrifice yourself for that one thing at the end. And I mean, like that sort of happens to Fitz and the Fool as well. And it's not, it isn't, it's, there is a higher calling and B gets to go on, but at the expense of her, her, her parents, right. At the, at the expense of their bodies, their lives, their efforts, their mental. I'm just glad that Fitz didn't die in that tunnel. So, (laughs) Oh my God, I was really worried. (laughs) I was so worried. That's, that's the chapter I was reading on the train with my mom was here visiting and she tried to talk to me and I was like, th- I was like, Fitz might be dying. Like, I I'm in a have tunnel. Conversation Fitz right is now. in a tunnel. We are all in a tunnel together. <laughs> Shut up. I was actually worried because I thought he would die there and then because she had set up and then it would be because B the, was a POV right and then and it would he be he could finally die right he could die and then it would be B as the POV and then like she'd probably meet the fool but like it wouldn't be as significant for her as it should be and that would be like ships passing in the night kind of like sadness but thank god for night eyes <sighs> I cheered so hard when I got to that first line of that next chapter. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Dying is boring. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. Oh Love man, it. Night Eyes. Even are... when he's just a disembodied thought. Night Eyes is absolute king shit. Like, I just, I just love that she was like, probably shouldn't have killed that wolf off. He was the best character. Was... I know, I'll bring him back Literally. as a spirit guide. Literally. There's... Uh, again, I still think that there's like there's uh, it's beautiful and poetic and and has clearly been telegraphed like that was the, going to be their ending together, you know, building a dragon. But mm-hmm. yes, it's just so sad to me that like I think the thing that makes me the saddest is that B is left alone and doesn't really and doesn't even have a connection to the fool and like all and and the fool had wanted a family so badly like that's why the fool had a fucking baby doll and that's why you know like all those things sort of don't work out uh at least she's there to like parent trap them into a you know (laughs) forever stone wolf dragon at the end she's just like oh my god you love each other please just put me out of my misery i can't watch this anymore i know it's it's so sad. It's just so sad. It's it's closure, but it's also like I kind of really just want them to go out. I mean, I guess they are in the woods somewhere having adventures, but for how long? Now I know how freaking stone dragons work, and they're not forever. They run out. Someone they're, can come wake them up. They're art. They're just art. <laughs> oh well. Um, any other topics that we want to cover? Thank you for your emails. Send us more. Yes. Maybe. We'll read them <laughs> on air. I say that because I, I don't, sometimes I paraphrase if people send us really long ones. So it's like, I'm going to read it on air. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Maybe it'll be a paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> you know. All right. Well, if that is it, I will say goodnight and we can talk about the end of the book next week. Sounds great. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.